As you're being seated, go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 11, and we're going to be in verses 33 through 36 today. Uh, we finish out our series this morning that we've called the Parallel Tracks, and to catch you up, because I know a lot of us are mobile during the summertime, so just recapping what we've been talking about, I was first introduced to this idea of the Parallel Tracks of blessing and challenge a few years back by an author by the name of Kay Warren, and she was talking within the context of her battle with breast cancer. And so Warren talked about how we usually look at life somewhat like a stock chart. There are these up moments and there are these down moments, and the up times we associate with uh, happiness. That's when we're being successful. That's when we're experiencing uh, the depths of love. And then you have these downtimes in life that we will associate with sadness and struggle and grief. And for many, our, our primary goal in life is just to be happy. In fact, for a lot of us that have children, our primary parenting goal for them is that they'll grow up and and just be happy. I just want you to be happy. In fact, I think I remember when one of my kids was really young and I was talking to him about something and they looked at me and said, Dad, don't you just want me to be happy? And I was like, actually, I want a whole lot more for you. And then I launched into a sermon that I probably shouldn't have gone into. But happiness is a good thing. And I wish all of you much, much happiness. But let's remember this about happiness. It's based upon happenings. Something happens that causes us to be happy. And if you think about all the circumstances or the happenings of life, many of the happenings are completely beyond your control. And so happiness is ultimately not enough as the ultimate life aspiration. Why? Because it means that most of your life, you're going to have absolutely no power to control. So Warren's idea with the parallel tracks is that really at any moment in your life, there is both blessing and challenge. At any time in your life, there are things that God is putting into your life that are really good, that are exciting, that really uh, you're looking forward to, and there's also going to be some areas of your life where you're going to have to lean in, push through, because they're difficult. And so we've continued to talk about the idea of joy. Very few people actually experience joy in life. And yet if you read the Bible, you'll discover that joy is one of the continual themes of the Scriptures. Do a search sometime or do a study on your own and just look up all the verses in the Bible that talk about joy. Joy is deeper than happiness because joy is anchored in the purposes of God. So you and I can have joy even during the difficult times of life. And I want to encourage you, and what I've been encouraging you to in this series is to live for joy. So let's ask this question, what is joy? What is joy? Joy is living life, living your life in faith, with the settled assurance that God loves you as his child. 
If you are a believer in Christ, you are safe in His hands. You are secure in His love. Nothing is going to separate you from the love of God when you are a child of God. You are in the family, and He loves you. Joy is living your life in faith with the settled assurance that God is sovereign and He is working in all things for His glory. Even whenever you can't see it, you don't understand it, you have a lot of whys as you continue to press forward in faith, there is joy whenever you understand that God is sovereign and He is at work even whenever we can't see it. Joy is realizing that God is blessing you even when you cannot see it. And then finally, joy means that I have determined to praise God in all things. And today we're going to talk about how we need to live our life for the glory of God in all things. We're going to finish out the series talking about the parallel tracks of glory. Am I going to live for my glory or am I going to live for God's glory? You see, you can choose to work for the glory of God. You can choose to parent for the glory of God. You can choose to manage your finance in such a way that you're managing your finances for the glory of God. Whenever you start living your life so that in all things you are seeking to honor God and bring glory to Him, it allows you to live with that singleness of purpose, that one thing that becomes the target for everything. Cutting across all of these lives are these parallel tracks of glory. One track takes you on a ride of pride, and its end destination is selfishness. The other takes you on a ride of faith, and its end destination is worship. So let's look at our focal passage today in Romans chapter 11. I hope you have your Bibles with you and that you keep them open. Uh, every week when we gather for worship, we will open the Bible and we will look at Scripture and we will talk about what it means. I know that is a novel idea for church, right? Uh, but that's something that we'll do every single week. So I encourage you to bring your Bible with you. Or uh, if you don't have an app on your phone, uh, you can download an app on your phone. There's all sorts of Bible apps available where you can have the Bible with you wherever you are. But Romans chapter 11 and verse 33, here's what the Scriptures say. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and untraceable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor, and who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? And then notice verse 36, because we're going to spend quite a bit of our time on this today. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. And what's the final word there? Amen. Amen. If you get in your car and you had to the local Christian bookstore. You go to Mardell's, and you walk in, and you ask the person that works there, where's the worship section? Where are they likely to take you? To the music section. A few subjects within the church are more misunderstood 
than what it means to worship God. But that's exactly what we're talking about today. Worship is the pursuit of God's glory in all things. And worship has a vertical element where we are worshiping the Lord in a spiritual manner. For example, right now, this is a worship service where we are gathering with other believers to worship God. Whenever we sing, we are singing praises of worship to God. Whenever we pray, that is an act of worship. Whenever we give, that's an act of worship. But worship also has a horizontal element where we live every area of our life in such a way that we seek to bring honor to God. And whenever you are pursuing the glory of God in all things, then all of life becomes an act of worship. One might argue that worship is one of these foundational ideas upon which the entire Christian faith is built. So let me talk about four misunderstandings about worship. The first is this, that music is worship. Now actually, the Bible speaks a lot about music. In fact, the book of Psalms, do you know what the book of Psalms was? It was an ancient hymn book. So the ancient Hebrew hymn book is in the Bible. And the reason why we sing in our worship gatherings is because it's biblical. The Bible tells us over and over and over again to sing praises to the Lord. I was thinking back to the height of the pandemic in 2020 and how we would continue to gather for worship here. And there were several weeks where it was Paul, me, a few band members, and a camera. And, and that was it. And one of the things that my soul just really ached for was to hear your voices, to hear you guys sing, because there's something powerful when the people of God come together in a room to sing. And let me encourage you on this. Don't check out during the singing time. The preaching time is when you're supposed to check out. Everybody knows that, right? You know, but don't just stand there and look solemn during the singing time. Sing. I know that for some of us, it's, been, it's, it's kind of a lost art in our society. Families used to gather around in the living room and sing. Music's still a big part of our culture, but we tend to listen to music rather than sing. But singing together is a biblical thing. Music is a tool. It is the language of the soul. It connects our emotions to a moment, and music can be so powerful. How many of you have music moments in your life that you can go back to, and you remember that moment vividly because there was a song playing or music was involved in some way? Worship involves music, but music is not worship. Worship is bigger than just music. Secondly, one, another misconception that we have about worship is that emotion is worship. And if I look back on my spiritual life, I know some of the big moments involved emotion. I was crying. There were these significant moments in life where God spoke to my heart and 
the tears just flowed. Whenever we sing that song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, I don't know what it is about that song. It just does something to me. You have a song like that in your life? You know, it's just like, I don't know what it is. It just does something. But uh, when we sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, I, I get choked up. Emotion is not a bad thing. You don't need to be Mr. Spock. Okay? You need emotions in life. But just because you cry, shout, lift your hands, kneel at the altar, hug the person next to you. I know that was so 2019. Speak in an unknown language, get mad at sin, dance like David, or maybe go real radical and hold some snakes or something like that. We're not going to do that here, by the way. But doing all that doesn't mean that you've worshipped. I mean, after all, they do those same things at football games, don't they? Or when you say yes to the dress, people get all emotional, right? Hey, I thought I had to capture everybody, right? Football, and when you say yes to the dress, talk about parallel tracks. Those are some parallel tracks, right? So let's keep on moving. A third misconception. Knowledge is worship. And so there's this idea that the more Christian books you read, the more tweets you send with a scripture hashtag, the deeper your theology, the more that you are demonstrating worship. I'll just say one line on this. It is possible for your mind to be full and your soul to be empty. I'm not anti-knowledge, but it is possible for your mind to be full and your soul to be empty. A fourth misconception. Tradition is worship. I'm, I'm very thankful for our Christian heritage. That's just my opinion but I, I think over the last 30 years of Christianity in America, we have made a huge mistake in many of our churches by ignoring our heritage. And our heritage is one of those things that anchors us and gives us stability during troubling times like a worldwide pandemic. But just because you are sitting in a traditional building singing theological music, listening to a traditional sermon, or following a traditional liturgy doesn't mean that you are worshiping. You say, okay, Lash, let's get back on track. Worship is the pursuit of God's glory in all things. Worship will lead you to have an encounter with God, and worship will change you. But I want to talk to you about three things that living on the life of God's glory, the track of God's glory, means. And here's the first. To live for God's glory means that I acknowledge that all of life's blessings are of Him. Look at verse 36. For of Him and through Him and to Him are, what? All things. To him be glory forever. Amen. What this means is that a worshiper believes that life is not an accident. God is the creator. And furthermore, he has created you with intentionality. And he has put us together in a purposeful fashion so that all that we experience in life are ultimately 
from him. I enjoy watching the Olympics. Anybody else enjoy watching the Olympics? The Olympics have started, did you know? Yeah. Uh, When I was a small boy, like a small boy, my dream was to be in the Olympics. I wanted to run the 200-meter dash in the 1984 Olympics. And I could have made it, too, if I just had talent. (laughs) That's all I was missing is talent. Uh, But I had had a dream. You know, I was aiming big. Uh, If you look at your life, God has blessed you. And there is an area of your life or there are areas of your life where you have talent, you have blessing. To be an intentional, intentional worshiper means that you take those talents, you take those gifts, you take those experiences that God has knit into your life in his sovereignty, and you use it for the glory of God. A worshiper understands this, and maybe this is a cliche, but it's a good cliche. God blesses me to be a blessing. And so a worshiper develops that conduit mindset. I am a conduit for the blessings of God. If God has blessed me with a talent, he has intentionally given me this talent so that in some way I might use that talent to make much of God. I want to honor God and bring glory to him in all things. And so when it comes to something like volunteering, We take the gifts that God has given us and we use them in service to the body of Christ and to the community to bring glory and honor to God. By the way, just a short parenthesis here on volunteering. Post-COVID, we have a great need as a church for volunteers in all of our ministries. As life was turned upside down, Uh, church was hit dramatically. I'm not just talking about our church, all churches. And this is cool to have a a good-sized full room today, isn't it? I mean, the room's filling up. And I pray that as we continue to get a little further down the road, that this place will be packed out pretty soon. Uh, But we have a great need for volunteers in the coming weeks. You're actually going to hear us. We're taking some survey and asking you guys to let us know where it is that you might have talent or interest in serving. And I hope that you'll take that, give us that feedback, because we want to help you get connected to service opportunities. Volunteering is easy when you realize that time is a gift to be used for the glory of God. Giving is easy when you realize that everything that you have is ultimately a gift from God. And so it's easy to go to murphychurch.com slash give and sign up to give at murphychurch.com slash give. It's easy to give cheerfully. That was a joke. Hey, this is as good as it gets, so you might as well laugh. Uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, we're here together for another 10, 15 minutes, so work with me, all right? It's easy to go to murphychurch.com slash give and, and sign up to give when you realize that everything that I have ultimately comes from God, and I could never outgive Him, and so I have the freedom to be a generous, faithful, obedient giver to the kingdom of God and to use a portion of the resources he has entrusted to me 
to expand his kingdom here on earth. Amen? Amen. Secondly, to live for God's glory means that I trust God's wisdom in all things. Now go back with me to verse 33 in our passage of Scripture today. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. So what is he talking about here? He's talking about wisdom and knowledge. And he says, oh, the depths of the riches of discovering God's wisdom, of discovering God's knowledge. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor and who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? God's wisdom and God's knowledge, the riches that are possessed within its discovery. You know, the internet has kind of turned us all into information junkies. There's so much out there now that we're supposed to know it all. In fact, I was reading some stuff about uh, young people, and they actually feel a lot of pressure to the point of anxiety because they feel as though they are expected to know it all. They have all the information. If we don't know something, what do we do? Alexa? <laughs> all the people watching online, I just sent the Alexas off all over in their house. Here we go. Let's have some fun. Alexa, what's the weather today? Yeah. So we're expected to just be able to find any information immediately. Now, here's, here's the danger. We can have a lot of knowledge and just a little wisdom. I would actually submit this to you, for those of you in this room that desire to be leaders or to have impact upon the emerging generations. The most influential people in this new hybrid, centralized versus decentralized, materialized versus dematerialized world that we live in, the most influential leaders and people will be those that help others take all the knowledge and turn it into wisdom. We have a wisdom vacuum in our society today, and the knowledge is so overwhelming that people are desperately needing others to help them process it all. And so here the Apostle Paul, in talking about the Lord, he breaks out and he just says, all oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. I could never swim to the furthest depths of God's knowledge or wisdom. Oh, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways. They, they are beyond anything that I possibly can discover. So as we take that down to what it means to be a worshiper, it means this, that a worshiper understands that God has more knowledge than I do. God has greater wisdom than I do, and God has plans that I know nothing about. And as a worshiper, my role is not to be God, but my role is to trust God in all things. And so when I worship, I lay my doubts and questions at God's feet. I look at the God who created me 
and who loves me, and I place my trust in him, his purposes, and his ways. Trusting that he knows more, trusting that he is sovereign, trusting that through the power of God, he can work all things together for those that he loves so that his glory might be displayed for all eternity. There are things in life I just simply don't understand. The scariest person in the room is the one that thinks they have all the answers. I don't, I don't know why it didn't work out in your life. I don't know why that person behaved the way that they did. What they did was just wrong. I don't know why she couldn't have lived longer. I don't know why life goes the way it goes sometimes. But I do know this, that all things work together for the good to them who love God, who are called according to His purposes. And as a worshiper, even whenever I don't have all the answers, I don't push away from faith. In fact, I lean into faith, trusting my Lord and believing that He is at work. And that's where you begin to find that ever-elusive life quality called joy. Thirdly, to live for God's glory means that I find hope in the God of all things. So back to verse 36 again. For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. So just as all things come from our Creator, the Scriptures teach us that all things ultimately return to our Creator. From dust I came and from dust I shall return. It's a reality of life that there is this circle of life, right? Before a non-worshipper, death is the end. In fact, philosophically, if you, if you really go into this realm that all of life is just cause and effect and it's very determined and it's a closed system and life here is all that we have, it actually becomes very depressing. And so some of the existential thinkers over the years have said, here's the solution to that. Rather than being depressed and falling into a nihilistic existence that says, well, this is all there is, well, it's overwhelming to me, I'm just going to go down into my pit. Rather than doing that, some of the existential thinkers have said, well, just don't think about that part. Just avoid thinking about it. And so just ignore the idea of death at all cost because it's the end of all things. So what you do is you just hakuna matata. I'm on some type of Disney theme, I guess. You just live in the moment. You just live for what you have right in front of you, and you avoid thinking about some of those, some of those uh, ultimate things. But if you really break that down, it's an extraordinarily shallow way of living. It's ignoring the inevitable. A worshiper realizes that all things have a season. As Ecclesiastes chapter 3 said long before the Beatles wrote the song, there's a time for everything. A time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, 
a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. They say that all good things must come to an end. But a worshiper understands that when it comes to life, Christ transforms the end into the beginning. Tomorrow, uh, we invite you, if you're able, to gather here at 1 o'clock because uh, this week we lost Stephen Crisp. Steve was a member here for the past six years. Um, used to sit right back there where Chrisman is sitting. I think that was, that was a seat he always sat in. And uh, he passed away this week, 52 years old. Uh, I will miss him terribly. Very positive person. Uh, even through all of his journey, he, he started out three years ago, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And he beat it. He, he actually died cancer free. But what happened was all, Melissa, his wife, was telling me that all the things that he went through in his treatments ultimately broke down his health, and then there was kind of a domino effect, and so he passed away this week. Uh, and so that's a reality that we all face. But Steve's faith was in Christ. And because of that, when we gather tomorrow, even though our hearts will be heavy, we will miss him. Grief is real, but we also have a real hope and a real understanding and a belief that the hope of life never ends. I love what the late, great Billy Graham said. He said, the moment we take our last breath on earth, we take our first in heaven. And some of you are going through hardship today that is so intense and it is hard, if not impossible, to see beyond the pain. And we gather in this room today, we gather online as well today, as Christians, because we want you to know something. You are not alone. There are other people that are here to walk the journey with you. One of the reasons why Thalia's baptism is before the church is because it is a proclamation of faith to the church body. And we are saying to Thalia, hey, as you go off to college, you're not alone. We're walking this journey with you. We are in this together. And my friends, we worship a God today who loves us. And I am so thankful that life is not this cosmic lottery that you were created on purpose for a purpose and your life is not an accident and your life will not be consumed by your pain. Beyond pain, there is hope and there is beauty. And I encourage you to choose joy, to be a worshiper, to be a person who's able to live with that singleness of purpose that in everything that I am, in everything that I do,
I'm going to pursue one thing above all, and that is the glory of God. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? If you're here today, or perhaps you're watching online, and there's never been that time in your life where you've placed your faith and trust in Christ, I invite you to make this your moment, to call out to God. You say, Lash, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. It's a moment of surrender. Just call out to God and say, Father, I, I've sinned. I've done things that are wrong. And I ask for your forgiveness. And today I'm trusting in Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I pray, Lord, that you will invade my life and fill my heart with joy. And may I experience your salvation. Pray that prayer to God. Surrender your heart to God. And if today is your moment of salvation, take that next step and tell somebody. Reach out to me. You can send me a note, pastor at murphychurch.com. We can talk after the service. I take great joy in hearing people take those steps towards God. If there's somebody in your life that you know walks with the Lord, let them know God is speaking to my heart and I've I've made some decisions in my spiritual journey and I could use your help. I could use your guidance. As our heads are bowed, I want to ask you this question. What are you living for right now? Do you have direction? Do you have that singleness of purpose that can go through every area of your life? Are you able to say, here is my one thing? I invite you to be that worshiper. This is my one thing is God's glory. And in all that I do, all that I am, in my attitudes, in my words, in my marriage, in my parenting, in my academic pursuits, in my career pursuits, in the way that I see my neighborhood, in the way that I treat other people, in the way that I live my life, I, I just want to narrow it down to one thing. I want to be a person who honors God and seeks His glory in everything. Heavenly Father, help us to be worshipers. Help us, Father, to be worshipers that have every area of your life, of our lives, changed because of our encounter with you. Thank you, Father, for the truth that we've seen today from your word, help us to live it out, to embrace it. As we wrestle with some of these truths, may you give us understanding so that we don't react out of our sensitivities, but that we're, ever to, we're able to bring the clarity of truth to our own soul. Father, help us to love people, meet them at their point of need. And may we have the opportunity to see you do some things that only you can do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Sing with the band, if you will. Let's worship.